Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we're able to do in His name. Amen. I am your running host, Dean Thompson, and once again, I am joined by Run for God founder, Mitchell Hollis. Last week, we showed part one of the Ryan Hall interview, and this week, we're going to show part two. Part two. Uh, what, what do you think about uh, that first part? That, that seemed to go well? It did. Yeah, I think, I think there's a lot to learn from this interview every time i go back and watch it i learn something different you know we talked about last week how great of a storyteller he is and um yeah i think uh i think if ryan wants a uh a career in storytelling going forward he could (laughs) he could he could do pretty well at it but uh yeah it's just a it's an incredible interview and i think actually is it this coming thursday you're going to be interviewing Ryan live on Facebook Live. So Absolutely, everybody out there can can think about their questions they want to ask Ryan. If you if you've got things that are just itching at you that that we didn't cover, then this is your opportunity. If you've got people that would love to be a part of this, get them to join Run Club. Absolutely, uh, runforgod.com forward slash Run Club uh, to be a part of this interview. It's going to be it's going to be pretty cool. Are you excited? I am so excited. I, I, I I've talked with Ryan but I've never interviewed him like you have. Yeah. And so I'm excited to get a chance to get him on screen and talk to him a little it, bit. It may be like a two hour Facebook live. Yeah. Like the way, the way you and him both can talk. I think he may cut that, <laughs> cut that short, but yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Yeah. If you've got some questions, Hey, send them in uh, ahead of time. If we've got some questions ahead of time, um, that would be fantastic. Yeah. So where, where could people send those questions to? They can send them to Dean at runforgod.com. All right. Perfect. Yeah. So, so you guys talked a lot about the mental side of running and a lot about perception and kind of how we think about ourselves and our own perception uh, in that first uh, part. In the second part, uh, and if you haven't seen it, go back. Make sure you go back and watch it before you watch the second part or listen to this second part. Um, you, you guys were just about to get into the part where you talk about how Ryan became connected with Run for God, which is an interesting story in and of itself. It's a so, funny story. Yeah. So that's where we pick up right here. First, let's hear from our sponsor, the world's greatest digital media platform, J Radio. You know that moment when you're running and you settle into that perfect pace and then the next song comes on? Don't let that happen again. With the new J Radio, you can trust us to make sure that the next song in your playlist will help you keep up that pace. Check out the Radio Active Station on J Radio for all different genres of workout music handpicked for you while you run. Start listening now at jradio.com. Well, before we get into your book, I want to I want to take you back a few years. You know, our our paths first crossed in 2010. I don't even know if you remember my email to you and what it was about. Yeah. And, um, but at the time, I was working on this. Uh, I was teaching a class at my church. Really had no thoughts that it would ever become anything. And 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 God just kept 
opening doors and opening doors to to ultimately start a a running program called the 5k challenge and i um when when i started the class in my church i was just using stuff i was finding on the internet because it was for 22 people at my church down the road here and so when we decided to formally write it and publish it there were some things that i wanted to use that weren't mine and i i knew nothing about copyright and all that so uh our publisher said hey there's some things you need to get permission to use and and one of them is this story by Jill Ewert on Ryan Hall. And there's also some pictures. If you want to use those, you've got to get, so, I mean, I didn't know what to do. You know, I was a builder yeah. here in Dalton and, yeah. and I had no idea that I would ever be where I'm at. So I thought, well, we'll see if God's really opening these doors. So I, I fired off an email to this guy named Ryan Hall and, and less than 12 hours, yeah. you nice. responded back and said, what do you need? But the, the video, that that we watch or that our class watched by Jill Ewert back then she was she was talking about your when you were training for what you thought was going to be your first marathon and ultimately you kind of stepped back from the store from the sport for a while um and and that God was really revealing a lot of things to you about where you had put put the sport in your life I know it's been a lot of years but kind of walk us back through that time if yeah yeah so there is a i think probably the time you're referring to is so i was actually at stanford and i was really struggling with my identity you know we talked briefly about identity and how important that is but i was very much seeing like what made me special and valuable was that i was fast Mm -hmm. and it was based on my performances so when those weren't happening my first two years at stanford i got really depressed because i looked in the mirror i didn't like what i saw because i wasn't performing well so i got really depressed thought i could change my depression get out of it by going back home you know and so i thought i could change what's going on here by changing my physical location which was obviously a mistake so i went home got even more depressed but I remember having a conversation with my pastor at the time. He's like, what was the last thing you know God was telling you to do? And I knew like the last thing I knew for sure God was telling me to do was go to Stanford. And so I was like, all right, I got to go back, you know? So I went back to what I knew God was telling me to do before. And um, as I did that, I started just uh, riding my bike and I'd go down to the Stanford football stadium because there's something about stadiums that just always kind of like captured me, you know, I've just always loved them. Like whether there's people in there or something going on or nothing, you know, I always love to like be in them and like look around and stuff. So I remember going into the stadium and I just have, you know, a notepad and my Bible and I just read and journal. But I started asking God a lot of questions about like how do you see me you know and as I began to hear from him how he saw me it changed how I saw myself and I realized like there is nothing I can do on the track on the roads in running that will make God love me more and there's nothing I can do that will make him love me less you know like he doesn't judge me based on my performance like he sees me through the blood of Jesus and therefore sees me as like righteous you know even though I'm not even though I mess up but he's seeing me through Jesus you know and so I was like man that's powerful you know like I should see myself that same way and as as I was able to slowly kind of shift how I saw myself my whole identity as a runner changed from you know someone who's just totally bogged down with performances and burdened by pressure self-imposed pressure to have to perform a certain way to someone who's just like totally free and being totally free to like go take risk and go and try and run with the best guys in the world and if you blow up 
go up and it's not a big deal. You know, it's just not because it doesn't change how important I am. It doesn't change how valuable I am. It doesn't change anything about me. It's something that happened to me. It's not, it's not who I am. And that's something you see um, also really tangibly in the African athletes who are dominating our sport is they don't wear their failures on their face. Like after a major marathon, whether it's Boston, Chicago, New York, we have this athlete recovery area where all the elites go to recover and I'll be looking around the room and I see like the Westerners and I can tell like that guy had a bad race, that guy had a good race, you know, it's like very obvious. Whereas like the African guys, I have no idea because like they just don't take it personally. Like they just see failure as something that's like a natural part of getting graded anything. And it's, it's just, it's just a price you pay. And so like, they're all like sitting around having tea, laughing and talking, you know, and I think that's kind of, that inspired me to change my perspective on failure and be like, listen, failure doesn't change anything about what truly makes me important. So I'm free to, to go take big risks. That's awesome. Okay. So God is, he's used uh, this ministry run for God to change the hearts and lives of, of many people around the world. But there's, there's so many people out there who still say, I can't run. Whether it's I'm too old, I'm too overweight, I'm too busy, you've heard the list. What, what would you say to that person who's middle-aged, maybe slightly overweight, and they're just saying, I can't do it? Yeah, I think it would, uh, you know, I'd have a conversation with them to learn more about their thought process of why they can't run. Um, cause you know, if there's something physically going on, like, you know, I was talking to one guy today, he's like, I blew out my knee and like, now I can't run. It's like, yeah, you probably shouldn't be running on that. Like, let's, let's try something else. Like, what do you enjoy doing? And I like go with that, you know, but, um, to most people who are just having a hard time, they want to get into running, but they're having a hard time getting into it. Um, I just encourage them like running is like a secret club. It's like, it's, it's it at its worst when you first start and like the first like couple months for six months depends what kind of shape you are in when you start but it's it's hardest right at the get-go you know so if you can push through um and i think that's why like your guys program sounds like a great program where you start just with really small bite-sized step that you know you can accomplish you know and then just grow it from there just slowly 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 and then it's amazing when you have that kind of consistency over a long period of time where you'll look back like a year from now and you'll be like, man, I can't believe I started with the 60 second run and look at me now running a half marathon a year later, you know, like I would have never thought in a million years that was possible. It's just the power of consistency, getting out the door. And that was something I'd do with myself because there was a lot of afternoons where we trained twice a day, you know, and I'd not feel like going out the door from afternoon run. And I'd literally just tell myself like I'm forcing myself to get out the door lace up my shoes head out the door and almost every time like I was glad I did and like I actually felt pretty good you know so there are going to be those moments where you got to just put your head down and be like there is no option like yeah. you are going you know like yeah, you take the debater up yeah no yeah. no you've written a new book second book yeah run the mile you're in is this I'm assuming that's Antarctica. That's me in Antarctica, Antarctica, day one. Yeah. The longest week of my life. So so tell me about this book and how it how it came to be. Yeah. So you know, I kind of mentioned, talked about briefly before, like that kind of clear bookmark end of my career. 
And uh, as I kind of transition into the next phase of my life, I was thinking about like all that God has taught me about how to maximize my own potential. For me, it was in running, you know, but I think it's relatable to anyone who just wants to be the best version of themselves in whatever area of life, you know. And it's like, man, God's like taught me so much through my experiences. So I just, uh, you know, sat down. I have a coffee every morning, 5 a.m. My house is nice and quiet. And my mantra is like, nothing can stop me at 5 a.m., you know, because my phone's not going off, no distractions. So I just get up and just write for like an hour or two every day. And I was just like, just trying to let God just kind of flow through me, help me remember some of the lessons, the experiences that I had, and then the the powerful life transforming truths he taught me through those moments to share with people so that, you know, can encourage them as they're on their own personal journey. And I, I thought a lot about like my 13 year old self when I first got into the sport. I can remember very vividly uh, doing hill reps in my hometown, Big Bear, and it was snowing and I was all by myself. It was like dusk outside, you know, kind of like one of those magical runs, you know, and I was just sprinting up and down this hill over and over again. I remember having this thought. I was like, I wonder what it's going to take for me to go to the Olympics, you know, to be the best that I can possibly be because I didn't know any Olympians. Like this is like before internet had even really gotten going. So, you know, there wasn't as much information as is floating around now. And, uh, and I just remember being really, like, intrigued by that. I was like, wow, well, how do people do it, you know? And so now it's fun for me to get to reflect back on and, and remember all those lessons and having lived it to be like, this is what it takes. And these are the lessons, the principles that you have to learn along the way in order to maximize your potential and then get to share that with other people as their own journey, their own journey is, is really super fulfilling for me. It's been great to finally get, you know, I, this was kind of like my baby where I was crafting it for three months and then editing process by the end is all like nine month to a year process and then to finally like launch it into the world and and be hearing how it's encouraging people is just like oh man like i'm so so glad that i took the time to to craft this thing and shape it and mold it and now put it out into the world so for all the people out there wondering they're they're probably thinking well ron hall he's a superhuman marathoner. He probably didn't write this book himself. He might've had a ghostwriter. This was you and a computer. <laughs> this was me and computer. You know, I did have some editors. Oh yeah. Um, I think I had two different editors look it over and give me their feedback on it. But no, that was, that was my baby. And part of me was going back and forth because I was like, I am a professional runner, not a author, you yeah. know? So I was like, I want it to be done like really well. But luckily I had some amazing editors that helped with that process. But, you know, all the thoughts, all the ideas, all the storytelling was all just me sharing yeah. from my heart. Now, if you're like me with, with my first project, when I got it back from the editors, it looked like my ninth grade literature teacher <laughs> just... I really felt smart after I got that back. So, uh, remember, yeah, editors are yeah. great. That's, I remember uh, being scared every time I'd open the email and look at it. I'm like, <laughs> track changes. <laughs> or what, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you've been, you've always been very outspoken in your belief in Jesus Christ. How, how would you sh- say that that shaped your career? Man, I mean, like, God is a part of my story and my running from day one when I was 13 and he gave me that vision to run around the lake. So for me, it's just more a matter of being honest with anyone who wants to follow my story, you know, and when I was still running professionally, I felt like it was my duty to be honest about my faith and how that was playing. Cause it was very much very real, like playing out, um, 
And I wanted to be real with people about that and not be hiding it because like going back to my 13 year old self, like I want to know an Olympian. I want to know what makes them tick. I want to know what helps them get through these moments. And if we don't share what it is that truly helps us get through it and the answer is God, then we're like doing a disservice to our fans, you know, or to people who are following and, and want to know what's going on inside of us. So to me, it's just always like trying to be authentic and real with people. And, you know, I don't try and work God into the conversation, but he comes up over and over again as part of the conversation because he's a very real and active person in my life. Um, so, you know, I, I hope that people can, you know, whether they agree with, you know, my view of God and Christianity or not, like it's still something that they can, uh, that resonates with them and can inspire them and um, that they can receive in kind of a non-threatening way. Wow. Yeah. So no kids to four kids Yeah. overnight. Yeah. So Tell us a little about Hannah, Mia, Jasmine, and Lily. I got a chance to meet them this morning. Just yeah. Beautiful, awesome young girls. Just tell, tell me a little bit about them and how, how that come to be. Yeah, they're amazing kids. So it was actually on our first date at Stanford, Sarah and I were talking, and we weren't like having a serious conversation. Like we were just kind of getting to know each other. But Sarah mentioned, she's like, I've always wanted to adopt. Like ever since I was a little kid, like I have pictures of me with all these like little kids holding hands with them from the time she was a child. And I was like, whoa, like, cause I, adoption is just totally off my grid. Like no one in my family was adopted. None of my friends were. So I just didn't see it at all growing up. So it just like, wasn't even on my radar, you know? Whereas Sarah, like there was some adoptive kids in her family and friends and all of that. So um, she just always had the heart for it. And it's during that time that I started to kind of chew on it and be like, well, is like adoption something I'd be open to doing or not? And, uh, you know, fast forward to, you know, we were married and married about 10 years before we decided it is the right time for us to have kids. And we decided we want to start the adoption process. And during that time, we'd been training in Ethiopia and just kind of fell in love with the people and the culture and the country. And um, one thing that broke our hearts, though, was seeing all these kids on the street in Addis and seeing them, you know, not having a good shake at life and being like, well, what can we do about this? So we decided that we'd adopt from Ethiopia. We we're originally just going to adopt like an infant, you know, start where most people start. And, uh, and then, but same deal. We went back to Ethiopia to train, visited these orphanages and we're number 76 on a wait list to get an infant. And meanwhile, we go to this orphanage and there's all these older kids, older, like being like, like four to our oldest daughter's 15, but being that age range and they're all waiting for families. And I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Like I'm waiting for my kid and they're waiting for a family. Like, why are we all waiting? here? <laughs> you know? And uh, after meeting the kids and interacting with them, I was like, these kids are so amazing. Like I take any one of these kids home in a second. So we went home, we changed all of our paperwork up. And during that time we became aware of, uh, our daughters, our daughters to be, um, is four sisters, and they'd been in an orphanage for about three and a half years, and uh, and they were talking about splitting them up. So they're going to send two to one country, two to another country, because they couldn't find a family that would take all of them. And you know, coming from big families, like it's not okay to split up siblings like that, you know. And and it was kind of. It was a similar moment that I would feel when I'd go to the front of a major marathon, you know, and into the lead. It's like there's a little bit of scariness and like like you're jumping off a cliff kind of a feel. But 
I always like to tell people, like for me, there's always either, either I could follow the path of fear and not run how I knew I was supposed to run, or I could follow the path of love and follow the love that God's put in my heart. And I just felt, you know, love in my heart for our girls at that time. And I was like, I'm going to follow love. And I've never been disappointed when I follow love, you know, compared to following fear. So, you know, we just... Uh, and we just dove in and we actually went to Ethiopia and hung out with our girls without telling them we were thinking about adopting them um, just so they could get to know us on kind of neutral terms, you know. And so after a week of them just getting to know us, uh, we invited them into this nursing office and a nurse was translating because they didn't know English at the time. And uh, we just invited them into our family because there's something that's really important. We wanted them to have a choice in all of this because so far, everything's been happening to them. They're reacting, you know, and much in the same way we are choosing them, we wanted them to choose us. So we invited them into our family, asked if they would like to be adopted by us. And of course, you know, they were screaming and yelling and like so, so excited. So um, that was one of the most precious moments of my life when we told them and there that was the beginning of our family being born and that was three and a half years ago so now they're you know here in the states and in school and um, thriving in school and they've le all learned English and um, have just come come so far but our family it, what's been crazy to me is just how natural it's all felt like even being like a biracial family I thought that you know there'd probably be moments where we're out in public and you're kind of like aware of that that, you know and maybe like people like kind of looking at you or whatever but like I just don't even feel it at all like I have to remind myself we're a biracial family and that we're not um, a biological family just because it feels so normal and natural to me so it's been kind of a supernatural experience that way that's got to be encouraging though you know it's right yeah you know yeah when you don't even you're not even aware of that yeah um so to the to the young man, the young lady out there who's got Olympic in their eyes, they're dreaming about it. They're what, what would you say to the young person today? Yeah, who has dreams of of doing what you've done or doing what Sarah's done? What would you say to that person? I'd just say, um, you know, I was a big dreamer, you know, dreaming of the Olympics and you're talking about someone with big dreams. Like you have to develop an equally big part of you that is resilience. Right. Because what I found is like becoming an Olympian is not about like, I mean, it is, you got to qualify, right? I mean, the top three, but it's not about like just like winning everything. It's about getting up after disappointment, after disappointment, failure after failure. Um, a verse that I'd pull on all the time when I was going through through my own journey was, though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. And I just love that verse. And that verse kind of perplexed me for a long time because I was like, righteous people like don't fall like why does it describe this person as being righteous you know <laughs> like that's it's like contradictory you know but as I was kind of like chewing on it with God a little bit I felt like he was telling me no it's his identity that he saw himself as righteous that allowed him to get back up over and over and over again so it's kind of like what we were talking about before where it's like what do you believe about yourself so what you believe about yourself is going to come up come out so let's encourage like people with that kind of a dream be resilient but more than anything like figure out who you are what makes you special and how unshakable that is so that when you do fall because you will fall 
you will go through struggles. Everyone does. Yeah. You, you can pick yourself back up over and over and over again. Yeah. Okay, so I reached out to some of our instructors and I said, give me some questions. And it's kind of funny the range of questions you get. <laughs> and we'll kind of go a lightning round of these as we're winding down. First one is, what do you think about when you run? Well, we kind of chatted about that a little bit. Like I said, sometimes I'm not thinking about anything. Just turn my mind off. Um, other times, especially early on in a race, like say if I'm running a marathon the first 20 miles of the race, I'm thinking about trying to be as relaxed as humanly possible. So I'm thinking about relaxing my face, relaxing my arms, shaking out my shoulders. Like just what happens is as the race unfolds, a lot of times you'll just keep getting tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. And like you got to do something physically to like get yourself just relaxed, you know, like you watch Olympic sprinters and their faces like jello, you know, like our body was meant to perform well when it's relaxed. So really like focusing on relaxing everything that I'm not using in that moment or even like in my stride it's like your quads get a break when it's off the ground like try and make it as relaxed as possible and it hits the ground try to contract really hard you know like focusing on the process yeah yeah, yeah. and wow. staying in the moment you know focus on what you're doing right now like don't worry too far down the road yeah next question is uh the two-hour barrier uh, I think Nike just did a uh almost a lab test yeah, uh, yeah. and it, it came close yeah but but not quite there when do you think that will be broken in a race that's think a it'll be in great our question i think it'll be in our lifetime for sure depending on how long i live <laughs> um but yeah it was i think it's one of those things where it's like we've talked about it's a mindset shift where all of a sudden guys are going out in 60 minutes or 59 high and they're not thinking about it being like a death march like people have thought about it five years ago even mm -hmm. you know now going out in 61 minutes is like pretty pretty par for the course if you're on a flat fast course with the best guys in the world whereas like i said like five years ago you'd be like dude you're committing suicide going out that fast so it's something where it's got to be evolving mindset and we got to see guys like kipchoge get close and see hey this actually is possible you know but i think i think we're gonna see it and i think we're gonna see it sooner than most people are predicting do you think it's going to be you know when roger banister broke the four minute mile it was like that can't be done and then he did it and and then in fairly rapid succession after that more and more people started to do do you think that's going to be how the two hour is one guy does it and then it becomes more common i don't i don't think so actually i think this scenario it's like the level of talent that you have to have in order to run a sub two hour marathon is so extraordinary that i don't think there's that many people walking on the planet that have that kind of ability um you know whereas running a four minute mile is a great feat but it's like there's lots of kids in high school doing that now and so it's like you don't have to be a genetic freak to run a sub four hour marathon to run a sub two hour marathon you're gonna have to be the freakiest of the genetic freaks yeah, to do it yeah. so um i think it will help you know and i think it'll help people get closer and closer and we might see a couple guys maybe yeah. do it um off the you know right away but I mean, ideally, if we can have two guys going after it at the same time in the same race, because they're going to need to be pushing each other all the way to the finish line in order to, to make that happen. Yeah, yeah. The next question, of course, you were we, we 
talked about you at length in, in our first 5K challenge. How many crazy run for God people have come up to you and asked for your autograph? <laughs> I've met I a few. I feel like we've known I've each other uh, by the pictures that I get because everybody always <laughs> sends me their picture. Yeah. An autograph with Ryan. From expos, right? Yeah. 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 When I do race expos, I definitely get, you know, I'd say one maybe every, you know, I do like hour signings or whatever. Yeah. And I usually get about one run for God or at least like I see the shirt all the yeah. time. Yeah. It's everywhere. So, but I love meeting run for God athletes. It's yeah. super fun. You know, like we share something in common yeah. that is really powerful and um, it's fun to encourage each other on our journeys. Yeah. Now I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to finish up with without getting you to tell us a little bit about the Hall Steps Foundation. Tell yeah. us. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So we started the Hall Steps Foundation in 2010, as I mentioned. You know, running in New York for the first time. Um, but really, like that was the answer to the second part of my vision of like giving a, g- a gift to run with the best guys in the world, but giving that gift so I could help other people. But it wasn't until after 2008 Beijing Olympics, I saw how tangibly you can actually help other people through running. When uh, Sarah and I served as ambassadors for Team World Vision at the Chicago Marathon in 2008 and raised enough money to bring clean water to 90,000 people in Zambia. And I remember we got to go to Zambia after Beijing. I remember being at a borehole, like ribbon cutting ceremony. And this villager was talking to me. He's like, man, I'm so grateful you guys brought clean water to us. He's like, because you guys did this. Now the average life expectancy in my household is supposed to rise by 10 years. And I was thinking, how crazy is that? That like, we can all run a race and like fundraise and support. And now like 90,000 people are all going to live 10 years longer. Like that's how you like tangibly, very tangibly make a difference and an impact through running. So we know we wanted to continue to support World Vision like we do, but we also wanted to do more and get involved in other projects as well. So we started the Hall Steps Foundation and that's essentially, it's like Sarah and I running that and Sarah, you know, runs it for the most part but so it's you know we're volunteers we don't pay ourselves so it's cool it's like every single dollar people raise goes towards the projects that we're involved in and we've done projects like we built a health clinic in kenya um we've done a maternity ward in senegal we've done a lot in ethiopia with child care because actually after we brought home our kids from ethiopia they closed down international adoption um, so now, you know, their country is having to take care of all of these orphans that they have there. And so, you know, we've been involved in helping them kind of try to figure out a foster care system and just how they're going to take care of all these kids. And that's something we want to do uh, post running, you know, when Sarah's done running, we'll, we would like to, to get over to Ethiopia and do more work um, over there, maybe start a school or something like that. But um, so people can run for the Steps Foundation, any race that they want to do. Um, you know, they just create a fundraising page on on our website. Uh, it's the stepsfoundation.org if people want to check it out. And we send them a uniform and they're off and running, you know. But yeah. um, it just, it's, and, and it doesn't even have to be our foundation. I just encourage people like, find something that you're running for, you know, something that's not just you. Because like I said, a lot of times, like I can't control what happens on the day, but if I'm doing it, that's ultimately going to benefit someone else. It's very rewarding whether I ran well or not, you know, I'm like, this was all worth it because it was about someone else and helping someone else. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Okay. So the last question you're coaching now. Yeah. Um, 
Which daughter? Uh, Hannah. But Hannah. I only coach her in the off season. She has a good high school coach. Good, good but, high school cross yeah. country coach. How how do you think your coaching has been influenced? And I really want to know this because I coach a, a group of kids. How do you think that's been influenced from your career as an elite runner? Uh huh. How do you see things different than a lot of coaches that you see? Yeah. Man, well, I definitely I pull on all my experiences, you know, and the things that I did. Like it's it's so easy, right, to look back at it in hindsight and be like, I did X, Y, and Z wrong, and now like I know those things, and so obviously I'm not prescribing X, Y, and Z to my athletes, you know. So, um, but also too, I think I a big mistake I made throughout my career was not being flexible. So, like for example, I'd get a training plan I had to follow every single day, no matter how I was feeling, no matter what kind of little injury I had going on. Like there was no adjustments, you know. And now, as a coach, I I that's something that kind of maybe sets me apart about being a little bit different. It's like I am constantly changing workouts. Like Sarah had two hard workouts last week. I changed both of them. Like as I was based on what I was seeing, you know. And I think that's so important because there is a science aspect of our sport for sure. And we need to pay attention and learn from that. Um, But there's also equally big, if not even bigger, yeah, logic or I call it artistic approach to training where it's like, you're making a painting with this workout, you know, like, how do I accomplish the purpose of this workout given where my athlete is at today and it takes a lot of tweaking so um that that, that's probably what sets me apart is different and also i just love like to involve the holy spirit and things i'm doing and so when i'm writing training for my athletes i'm literally like having a conversation with god and be like what does this athlete need right now you Mm -hmm. know and trying to involve the spirit in everything that i'm doing yeah some of our athletes get upset because i i have a a workout schedule for the whole season, uh-huh, but they uh-huh. never get to see it. Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, they're they're going to be hold me to this, this, right. and this. And you're right; it's it's got to change based on how they feel and yeah. what's going on in their life and stress. And uh, well, Ryan, I tell you what, this has been a uh, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah. It's been very insightful. It's awesome to get to meet you. Yeah, I can send I know, all these finally. instructors who have sent me <laughs> pictures. I can send them pictures back, back now. But uh, I, I wish you well. And everything you do, I'm glad you're a brother in Christ. Yeah. And uh, thank you for all that you do. Yeah, and thank you for what you're doing with uh, Run for God. Like, it's been a big encouragement. The people in the program have been a big encouragement to me throughout my career. And so I just appreciate what you're doing and um, how you're bringing Christian athletes all together under under one flag. So keep doing what you're doing. All right. Thank you, Ryan. All right. Take thanks. care. All right. There is power in people's stories. It's a challenging time. What do you do when everything you believe about God is being tested and God doesn't look like the good father that he says he does? You've got layers and layers and layers of hate in your heart. It it takes God to clean it out. Your story can help encourage others around the country, just like these stories have. You can walk through a simple process of sharing your story with the Big Share app. Download the Big Share app in your app store to start sharing hope with others. Boy, it's funny how God puts things together, huh? You you may never have taught with Ryan if you hadn't used his story in the the stuff that you were doing for the very first Run for God class. Yeah, isn't that that crazy? It is crazy. uh, You know, and and of course, Ryan was was currently an Olympic marathoner at that point, and I just, you know, 
I didn't think there was any way this uh, bigger than life guy to me was going to reach back out to me. And the fact that he did it in less than 24 hours, just it's, it says a lot about who Ryan is. Yes, it does. Yeah. So down to earth. I mean, you talk to him and it's like, he's just the guy next door, you yeah, know? Yeah, like I said, I, I think I talked about last week when we got done with that interview, we were, I was wanting to, I was wanting to try and try to at least get 30 minutes in this interview and we got done and I was so excited and I looked at the guys filming and I said, was that 30 minutes? They said, no, that was an hour. Yeah. And, uh, and it's just cause he's so easy to talk to. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's refreshing to see people at that level yeah. be so humble and so accommodating and really want to, to talk to people who are entering the sport. You know, mm. that's, that's kind of, uh, says a lot about who he is again. Yeah, absolutely. His, uh, his wife is pretty fast in her own right. She is. Um, she just barely missed the uh, Olympic team for the marathon this past go-around. Um, but who knows? Between now and next next year, I don't know what they're going to do. What are they going to do? I don't so have they any gonna idea. they going to take that? I guess. I'm not sure. Because a lot could happen with that, that team between now and a year from now. So I, I've, I've been curious about that now that the Olympics are canceled. If, if you haven't heard, the Olympics are not being – held in 2020 they've moved them to july of 2021 so i don't know what that means for you know that for the triathlon you know our my son's a triathlete and uh they haven't even held the olympic trials for that yet so it, well track gonna, and field is the same one yeah, it's going to be interesting yeah. how all that plays out over the the next yeah, year i'd say the marathon is one of the few events that they have ha- had the trials for so yeah, and like i said so much can change in yeah. the running world in 12 months time so i don't know if they're going to keep that group or are they going to have a new trials? And so I don't, Boy, I don't know. It's, I, it seems so fair and unfair at the same time. It's, it's, that's a hard decision to make. Is. I'm glad I'm not on that board. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting that Ryan talks about struggling with his identity because it's one of those things where, first of all, when you talk to him, you realize he's a, he's a confident guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he feels good in his own skin, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, but he talks about how when he was at Stanford, he struggled a little bit with his identity. Um, and he talks about coming face to face with God in that struggle, uh, and his encounters seem so poignant. Didn't they seem that way to you when you were talking to him? Yeah, absolutely. But I, I think I think back to my own life and those encounters. You know, when when Run for God was born, it's a very poignant and clear time in your life, and it's it's a it's those times that we can look back on because. We still struggle with our identity today. It, oh, yeah. I do. I don't know about a few. Oh, do. absolutely. But it's it's comforting to know that you look back at those times. You know, people say that if you're struggling with anything, and especially are you struggling with where God has you in life right now, or always look back to the last time He spoke, because yeah. when He speaks, it's clear. Yeah. And we can always look back to those moments and say, Yeah, God was there right then. He was speaking right then. He may be silent right now but i know that he'll speak again so you know a lot of things a lot of times the best thing to do is is when god is is not speaking is is do nothing yeah and but that's where we fall on our face too many times is we want to help god out (laughs) that never works well not only that but silence just kills us like if it gets silent on this podcast for just Two seconds, you and I are panicking, like, oh my gosh, somebody say something. And everybody listening is going to be panicking. Like, they're going to be hitting their button on the radio saying something's not right. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. Sil- we, 
our society is, it's, it's got to be moving constantly. Yeah. And sometimes God just says, slow down. Yeah. And as I'm saying that, I'm thinking about where we're at right now. And how slow everything is right <laughs> Every, now. The government has said, slow down. And wow, there's a you know, what they said for that. I don't know if anybody out there has seen it. It can be something you looked up. I don't have it here, but it's a quote by C.S. Lewis mm -hmm. back in the 50s. I think it was 1954 I had heard. And he had this quote about how the evil one was out there looking to slow us down. And to, he describes very eerily, actually, the situation we're in right now, mm -hmm. how we wouldn't have sports and we would a lot of things would just go silent. Um and that that uh, that we would turn to God in that time, mm -hmm. and so I just pray that that's that's that is the case. But isn't it funny how sometimes we wonder who's really at work here? Yeah, you know it's it's very tempting. You know, my family and I we're reading through Job right now, and so, oh my goodness, <laughs> I mean that is such a depressing book until you get to the end. Mm -hmm. And luckily, I've I've read that book a few times now, <laughs> so I know how it ends. But so many times we think, well. It's the devil at work here, and yes, the devil the devil is moving about here, but God's the one at work. Mm -hmm. God's the one that's going to use this for His good. We may not see what that good is this side of glory. We may not see it in glory, but we know we can look back at the heroes of faith and know that every single time God used calamity and disaster and wars and everything that we think is horrible, and it is but it's always been used for God's good. Most importantly, he is in control. Absolutely. The other yeah. guy's not in control. Yeah. Yeah, he's just being allowed to do some things, but he is not in control. Yeah. So. We went down a rabbit trail. <laughs> we, we did, but a good one. Yeah. A good one. And you know, the same thing, um, same, same thing applies to our running. Um, sometimes uh, we're not in control. Uh, of our running you know i mean you think about the street you, you talked about the stress fracture recently that you had um you were not in control at that point you just you had to do what we're doing now you had to take a step back and be a little more calm and that's hard to do it is because we're not wired that way we are not you're definitely not wired yeah, that way yeah. <laughs> you don't have much room to talk well, you know. <laughs> uh he talked uh he talked about confidence um, and he taught, gosh, I thought this was such an interesting thing when he talked about how at the end of the race, he could look at the, the, the Americans and he could see who had a bad race based on the look on their face. But when he looked at the Africans, he couldn't tell whether they had a good race or a bad race. You know, we've talked about that story a lot Yeah. since, since he, he gave that illustration. And that was, that was, it was funny. It was eye opening. It was all, it was sad at the same time that yeah. we, we just wear our emotions on our sleeve and, and how we can learn something from those, uh, from other countries, how it's just a race, mm -hmm. you know? And, and a lot of those guys, they, as soon as they got done, they, they learned something from it. They realized what they needed to do next time and they moved on. But too many times we don't move on. Yeah. We, we dwell and we sulk and, you know, that's good for just a little bit. But we need to move on. Yeah, I see that in things like uh, I see something on Facebook mm -hmm. that I don't like and I want to comment on. And it's so hard. Why is it so hard not to comment? How many times have you written a comment and God's just like dumping you on the back of the head and you're like, delete. Delete. Yep. And, yeah, Boy, has that happened. You know, I, I think my wife has told me before, you need to take an hour. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. If you, if you still want to send that message or that email or whatever it is. After an hour, 
of thinking about it and praying about it, then maybe you should, but it's never a good idea in the moment. Yeah, no, it's not. I need to tell myself that a lot. I tell my athletes that uh, they have an hour to sulk after a race. If you want to be miserable about your race, then you can do that for an hour. At the end of that hour, I expect you to be back to normal. Yeah. Um, because an hour is long enough for us to feel sorry for ourselves. Yeah. Um, and then we're ready to get back to it. So that's a good good rule of thumb for all of us when it comes to anything, really. Yeah. Um, he, he talked about how running, in particular, uh, which is different from a lot of sports, is running is, is at its worst when you first start. Yeah. It's at its most difficult. And I think about that because I think about other sports like golf. I've played golf. Golf was just really just fun when yeah. I first started. It didn't hurt. It didn't. It didn't bother me to hit a bad shot. It, it, and then it, the better you get, the more miserable. The, you get. Yes. And that's why ultimately I stopped golfing. <laughs> but running is completely opposite of that. It is. It's yeah. the hardest that's, at that's first. That's where everybody listening, if you're part of the 5K challenge right now, you're thinking about starting it. It's bad at the beginning. You know those those run walks. It just feels like you're never. You're just never going to be able to do this. But you get out past two or three miles, and it 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 doesn't ever get easy, but it gets much more manageable, and it gets it it becomes much more enjoyable the yeah. longer you do it. Yeah, I was going back and forth with a fellow not long ago, somebody who is part of our actually part of this run club, mm-hmm. George Williams. Yeah, and he was talking about how he was doing a a kind of a uh, Jeff Galloway method yeah. thing where he was walking and running, and that he wanted to get to a point where he could run longer. And uh, we had some conversation about that, and he was able to do that. Um, but it took some discomfort mm-hmm. in order to get past that. And, George, if you're listening to this today, I hope things are going well, and I hope you're actually running longer we now than you were then. We talk about George's story one day. We do. One, we'll, of, one of these days. We're we'll, going to tell that story one day because that, that, that changed my life. Yes. George's story. So, yeah. Uh, yep. so yeah. Um. So th- this whole thing, I remember, I remember a person who was in one of my classes one time and I would, I would tell her, it's getting easy, isn't it? It's getting easy, isn't it? And she would go, er, er, it's getting easy, er. <laughs> it never gets easy. Yeah. Um, I've run, I, I, I think at my last time I calculated, I think I have run somewhere between 80 and 100,000 miles in my life. It's still hard some days. <laughs> Um, he's so Ryan in this, in this interview, not just in this interview, everywhere he goes, he's outspoken in his faith. Yeah. There are pictures of him pointing up to the sky and at the end of races. And, um, it's, it's clear when you talk to him that that's one of the first places that his mind goes to. Well, and you know, I ask him about that. I, I ask him about his, his faith and how he's outspoken in, in but he says, you know, he made the comment that it's it's not something that he thinks about. And that's just, that's so refreshing to see that, yeah. you know, it's, sometimes you'll see people, they're trying to interject their faith. And, and I don't like that. I, I don't feel comfortable with that. But it's those people who, if, if we're truly um, in God's Word, we're truly in prayer, that's just going to come out. It's yeah. who we are. It's part of our vocabulary. And, uh, yeah, that's just, it's refreshing to see, because that, that really is who Ryan is. Um, it's part of it's It is who he is. Yeah, and I think when we're uh, – he's, he's not consciously looking for those opportunities to share his faith, mm-hmm. um, but he is consciously 
thinking about it when the opportunity comes up. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the what you're talking about is so a lot of times we're trying to figure out, okay, how do I get my faith into this conversation? Right. Whereas if we'll listen to the conversation, a lot of times there's a good response right. to what we're hearing. Um, and it would be great. And, you know, one of the things that he said that I just loved so much, he said, it, it's just a matter of me being honest. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, that's uh, that's powerful. To me, that was powerful to hear that. Well, and it's so. powerful to those you talk to because if we're being honest about where we are with Christ right now, if we're not trying to put on this front, people can see phony. Yeah. And, and I've been guilty before. You All know, you, you're thinking, I, I need to interject this here, but... When we're just honest about where we are, whether it's good or bad, you know, sometimes the best witness to people is your struggle. Yeah. And we don't always have to put on a happy, good face because this isn't always easy. Yeah. Our walk with Christ, those runs we're doing, they're not always easy. And sometimes it's the struggle that speaks to people more than the good times. You're right. Uh, Because a lot of times when people are dealing with something heavy and their life's a mess and they don't know Christ— they don't want to hear your canned message about how good God is. Yeah. They want to hear your story. Yeah. And that's why that's why we always talk about our stories how they're so powerful because even if you even if you think you don't have a story you do. And your story is going to speak to somebody so long as you're honest about it. Yeah. And there's somebody there's always somebody out there. I I'm convinced one of the things we talked about last week was about how Ryan talked about how we go through things today and we bring them into our future mm-hmm. and use them in our future, and that's so. That's that's what our story is. Yeah. It's it's a it's a tool for Every us to use in our future. Is a story. That's right. And we're 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 to take those stories, those experiences, and use them going forward to draw people to Christ. You yeah. know, I, we just mentioned George, and one day we will tell his story. But a little bit about the story with George is, I was having a horrible day. I didn't want to talk to people. And my bad day turned into something incredible for George. And it just took honesty for that to happen. And, and luckily that day, I was just very honest. And uh, yeah, yeah, let those stories let those stories be tools in your toolbox going forward to, to, to point people to Christ. He, you know, he, Ryan talks about this whole thing. You asked him about going from no kids to four kids overnight. I, I just, I can't imagine. I just, I'm thinking about it. I, I've got two. You've got two. And I'm still um, trying to figure them out. Yeah, mine are grown. They're out of the house. Um, great, great young men with great young wives. Uh, but I can't imagine four. I, I can't imagine four kids, but it, I especially can't imagine four kids that are kids. All at the same time. From a different from, country. From one day to another. Yeah. Who don't they, even speak your language. Don't even speak your language. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's uh, uh if 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 you Yeah. I, <laughs> I love the thought that where he said though that he was he wanted to invite them into their family because Yeah, he, that's something I've never heard before. Yeah. That yeah. was uh what what a great uh testimony to, to who he is. Uh, is we, we want to love you. We do love you. We're, we're, you know, we want to love people like Christ loved people, but we want to make sure that you feel good about this too. And isn't that the perfect picture of what Christ is standing there doing for every one of us? Absolutely. He's not forcing us. He's not getting the adoption papers and pulling you in. He's saying, I'm here. I want you to be part of my family. But it all comes down to our choice. Yep. 
And, you know, the, the quicker we can understand that, that, that our, our God is not a, um, I don't know what fire, fire and brimstone. Yeah, he's yeah, a he's, loving guy, yeah. and he 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 wants us to come in. And there's so many people out there that if they can just hear that and understand that. And if you're listening today and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you know we we always use the phrase "He's standing there knocking." Mm-hmm. It's just exactly what Ryan talked about. He's sitting us down and saying, "I want you to be part of my family." Yep. If, if but I want, want to. it to be your choice. That's right. And uh, that's a game changer. You, you know, know and, and not only that, but I think about the response of these little girls because he talked about how they got so excited and they were jumping up and down. Isn't that a great picture, too, of what we should be doing yeah. when we realize who we are? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Golly, that's amazing. He made this comment. He said, I've never been disappointed when I follow love. What a... What a mouthful. We Just, can learn something from that every day, especially today. Especially, you know, yeah. Um, grace, yep. love, patience. Yeah. You know, there's a lot, a lot of things going on out there right now that's testing our patience. You know, whether it's the grocery stores out of toilet paper or you, you can't go to the park you want to go to because it's closed. You know, it's, it's, it's very easy to lash out right now. But now more than ever. I'm convinced that God is at work in this, everything that's going on, and we're either we're either going to be able to step up as Christians and show grace, love, mercy, or we're going to fall flat on our face, and we're gonna yeah. we're gonna mess things up for our testimony. Yeah, uh, because right now is the time where we need to step up as believers and show the world grace, love, and peace in a world that is lacking a whole lot of that right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, he he he. He goes on in another question that you asked him was about, you know, if there's somebody out there looking for an Olympic dream, what would you say to them? Um, And I think about the way that he went after and the way he goes after everything, including his relationship with Christ, Um, like a rabid dog. Mm -hmm. You know, he just he latches on to what he what he knows to be right and true and doesn't let it go. Now, he has bumps along the way. He admitted that when he was at Stanford, there were some bumps. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's important to understand that, but um, but that in context of what we were just talking about um, is, is really powerful. Yeah. He talked about the Hall Steps Foundation. If you don't know about the Hall Steps Foundation, you can Google it. You can find out about it. They work all over the world. Um, they've, they've been in Kenya, Ethiopia, Senegal, several other um, poorer nations. And the idea is for them to uh, create better, healthier, safe environments for those folks. Um, their kids came from Ethiopia. Yeah. yeah um, go check out their the, website, the Hall Steps Foundation. It's, uh, it's eye-opening. Yeah. And it's, the, uh, it's just a, another testament to what he and his wife Sarah are doing yeah. around the world using this sport as their platform to do it. Yep. They're living, they're living what they're talking. Exactly. They're putting their, putting their actions where their words are. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, Ryan and, and Sarah, they do a lot to share what God has done and is doing, uh, in their lives. And the truth is, is that we all have platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, we're using one now. Mm-hmm. Everybody out there has a platform. Your platform may not be running. It may be, maybe you're a nurse. Um, oh gosh, how many stories have I heard of a nurse who prayed with somebody mm-hmm. who just needed to hear that at a time? Uh, maybe you're a teacher. Maybe you're, uh, it doesn't matter what you do. 
there's somebody next to you, there's somebody nearby, there's somebody that you can share with. We all have a platform. That's right. And we all have a story. So we just need to put those together. And God wants to use us. I'm convinced that God wants to use every Every single one of us. Yeah. 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 Um, One way that you can be used is you could become a run for God coach. Um, It's one of those things where if you you just love running and you love God and you want to see people come to Christ, it's a great way to do it. Right. You know, it's, it's so rewarding. You know, we tell people all the time, it doesn't matter if you're taking the class or you're teaching the class, it's going to change your life. Mm. And I'm convinced, and maybe it's because we deal with instructors so much that we, we hear these stories so much, but I'm convinced that the instructor or the coach more times than not is the one changed. Mm, absolutely. I know it was in my case. I know it was in your case. Yep. And I can, I can list a, a whole list of coaches that we know who have told us their story and how doing something outside their comfort zone that shares their passion for not only running but for Christ how it radically changed their their life. It changed their perspective. Some even come to know Christ through this process. And uh, yeah, if you're out there, and, you, and and we need to warn you, a lot of people out there are just like I was. Their their first response is, I can't do that. I, I'm not that great of a runner, which I wasn't. But I don't I... know the Bible as well as I should, which I didn't. But God prompted me and convicted me to do this and... and and I thank him every day that I did. Yeah. I'm still not that great. I'm, I'm a worse runner now than I was when we started this. <laughs> uh, I don't know the Bible as well as I should. I'm working on it. I work on it every day. Uh, but I don't think we'll ever get it right yeah. on this side of glory. So don't allow yourself to use the I can't excuse with doing anything. That's right. Um, you know, so so yeah, if you're out there and, and, and God's, convicting your heart right now that you need to do something more go to our website and check out how to become an instructor and we'll walk you through the process runforgod.com go check it out yeah Uh, hey we hope that you've enjoyed what ryan has shared with us we're going to be online live with him here in a few days and so make sure that you 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 join us there and uh, and watch him as we we talk a little bit with ryan on thursday night um We appreciate you being here. We appreciate what you do as a Run Club member. Uh, Thank you so much. You're helping us share the gospel with folks all over the world. Um, So now go out there and shine your light wherever you are. Good job, Dan. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.